internet. Okay. Yes, we are. Look at that. Get shareable link. Send tweet. Sweet. Good evening to the zero people here yet. Uh, we'll see what happens when people file in. Uh, not a whole lot of housekeeping going on. Trying to get the ep second episode of Chasing High Danger organized. The uh, Simon Edmondson report is out, so if you haven't seen it, please, please go and see it. Just not right this second, of course. Um, pretty big trade in the NHL tonight. Kyle Palmieri and uh, Travis Zajac off to the New York Islanders. Uh, in case any listeners to the podcast are listening, I am currently wearing my Marco Rossi Minnesota Wild reverse retro jersey, uh, which is um, very nice and cozy. Uh, wearing it to honor the good news that uh, we're nearing a return to the ice surface for Marco Rossi to get back training. So we will be happy about that. Oh, and I apparently missed a goal of the uh, All-American game. I do have it going on in the background, but for anyone asking for any deep analysis on the game that's going on right now, I've only really had time to pay half half attention, um, and I will be watching it again in the in the coming few days once it's available to me. So yeah, but it's been a pretty pretty fun game. I mean, it's good to see the NTDP playing like they've been playing together all year. Um, so that's nice, but pretty fun game all around. Uh, other than that, yeah, the Edmondson Report is out. Patrons, uh, if you haven't seen it yet, there's another video out uh, that you have access to. And there is another one coming tomorrow. I was hoping to get it done today. Uh, unfortunately, time, you know, time is a is a jerk sometimes. Um, oh, I mean, how can I, how can I do, how can I have a live stream and not monetize it, right? Nothing like monetizing your content. Anyway, um, okay, well, we'll just dive right into the questions and hope that, that, that people file in over the next little while. Um, do, do, do. Usually takes a bit of time. I, uh, <laughs> I'm strongly considering dropping the Twitch thing, to be honest. Um, just because pre-scheduling live streams feels much more conducive to more people watching. Anywho... Uh, that's, that's a problem for me. Um, Ray bro, always, always early. What's up, my friend? How am I doing? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, the videos are flowing. Um, I have a goal this year to get at least 20 done. My aspirational goal is 30. Uh, considering that the sixth one is finishing production, we've got how many more weeks until the draft? One, two, three, four. Uh, well, wait. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, uh, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, uh, fourteen, fifteen, six. So we have sixteen weeks till the draft. Um, yeah, it might be like between twenty and thirty. That would be nice. Uh, can't. There's no way I'm gonna get to twenty, get to thirty-six like I did last year. But um, anyway, that's my problem as well to worry about. But overall, I'm doing pretty well. Um, the tracking is going pretty well. Um, still a lot of names I still need to go back on. Uh, some new names added to the list this week that you might notice. Uh, Caden Bankier is one. Colton Doc, the one you asked about. Uh, which is a good segue into Colton Doc. I mean, so, 
Colton Doc is tough. Uh, weird, he's not indexing here. Um, that's odd. Let's see. Let's figure out why. Or not. Maybe not. Or did I just not? No, oh, I probably didn't. Oh, no, he's there. Weird. Okay. That's weird. Um, that's bugging me now. I apologize. I'm going to try to fix this live on the internet. Um, data validation. Hmm. Weird. Yeah, I apologize for the delay here. I don't know why this isn't indexing all the names properly. Uh, but Colton Doc, uh, he was fine in the game I watched. He was playing with, uh, um, tr um, oh, what was his name? He's playing with Tristan Robbins and Kyle Cernkovich, or at least he was in the game I tracked. Uh, really good shot. He's big, rangy. I, I mean, his brother is Kirby, right? So, you know, there's a similar kind of player there. I obviously don't think he's on the same level. But he's a decent player. Um, I want to see more of him. I can't say he's, like, tremendous. Um, but so far, he was fine. I I, I don't know what he's going to be. Uh, I think he's in my, like, late second, early third right now. Uh, but that's it. Um, that's really all I got on him. Uh, if you change anything about the NHL, what would it be? Well, I would extend three on three overtime. That's a pretty easy one. Um... I mean, even if it's not 10 minutes, like, if it's a 7-minute overtime or something, then that, that would be kind of something that I would be interested in. Or, like, two 5-minute overtime periods. Like, you do 5 minutes, take a quick break like they do between the third and the first over the third period and the first overtime, and then do a second overtime, and then do a shootout after that. That's my hunch. Um... Do, do, do. What else, if there's anything? I mean, oh, another thing? I'd make neck guards mandatory. That would be my other thing. Neck guards mandatory, uh, definitely. Um, that, that would, yeah. So, longer three-on-three overtime and, uh, and neck guards. Um, part of me also wants to raise the glass around the boards more and keep more pucks in play. Um, but that's aspirational. Uh, thoughts on the trade from the Devils side? Now two picks in the first round. Yeah, I, I mean, look, you're, you're, you were gonna move, you were gonna move, uh, you were gonna move Palmieri. Um, it was just gonna, it's just gonna happen. Um, let me look it up, because I can't remember off the top of my head here, uh, for the Islanders. Oh, jeez, they're right up against the cap now. Holy smokes. Um, Zajac expires this year too. Yeah, okay, and they retained half. So... I mean, you know, the Islanders, Lou Lamarillo got two guys he's really familiar with, you know, and I'm sure he's like, look, let's try to win a cup. You know, this is an Islanders team that outperforms in the playoffs every year so far. Um, so I totally get it from the Islanders perspective. I mean, there is, I think, a familiarity factor there. Um, so when I, I look at the trade, I mean, you know, yeah, the Islanders have traded a lot of picks right now but to me it means if anything the islanders are trying to go for it and honestly i like kyle palmieri i think he's a perfectly fine player Zajac, he's a guy he's gonna be a use he's a he's a playoff guy and and you know who knows if he's your fourth line center on a cup winning team who cares you won the cup but from from the 
from the devil's perspective, I think it's pretty straightforward, right? Like you have expiring assets and you had a chance to move them all out and it doesn't really matter what you're doing to make it more sweet for the Islanders. Like if you have to retain half on both guys, like you don't really care. So I, I think you look at that and leverage it and just get what you can. And, 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 you know, they got two guys who, I don't know, AJ Greer, and I don't even remember the other guy's name might be depth guys, but, but you know, the, the prize is the first round pick and that's a nice pickup, especially in a marketplace like this one. Like you found a buyer who was willing to take on, you know, a $5 million total cap hit split between two players and not send you any money. And instead you get a first round pick. I mean, I like it, especially considering the situation that the devils are in this year. Um, so we'll see what happens. I we'll see what happens. Uh, Brian, what are your thoughts on Zach Dean? I'm a big fan of his game. Uh, yeah, he's a guy I've been looking at recently. I need to do more of him for sure. Um, overall, he's like the thing about Zach Dean that I like is that he's really sneaky and slippery. Like he's not the fastest player, but he's, he's, he can, he, he has an ability to thread passes around. I mean, his pass completion percentage in the game or two that I did was is 55%, 56%, which is not great. But he his head is often in the right place. You know, I didn't have him ranked for a really long time. I mean, I have him ranked in my second round, I think, now. I still don't really... Like, I don't know where I would push for him, but I do... I, I've moved on from, like, the idea... Like, I, I talk a lot about I don't rank guys where I can't sell them to someone... But with Zach Dean, like, making plays off the boards and a transition player who can move up the ice, you know, reasonably well and find guys through opponent legs and through sticks and, and draw opponents in and just really intelligently sort of manage the game and adapt around him, I think there's interesting skill there. But I think there's also... I just don't think it's enough. Like, he's kind of small kind of inactive like he's been playing center and I don't really think that that's the trajectory for him I don't know I mean I'm not going to write him off I think I've only done two games of him and I do want to do more um because similar to a guy like Zach Bolduke I really need to be sure that I'm gonna just put the guy lower on my list than most people have them um and so you know like I I don't I don't mind him but I'm not I don't know I feel like Zach Dean is going to be one of those guys who gets drafted like 29th overall you know and I just am skeptical, but I'll let someone else take the chance and I'll pick someone at a later pick that just slips to that range, right? I, I just think that's what's going to happen in my fantasy world where I, you know, draft players. Um, so I think that's perfectly okay by me. But, I mean, I see that there are some traits about his game that are pretty solid. Um, doo -doo -doo. Good evening, Adil. What's up? Uh, say nice things about Vili Koivinen. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's in my first round now. Um, he's he's in my first round, and just at the telltale end of it, him and Samu Tuomola are back-to-back, -back, uh, I think 30, 32 and 33. Um, I mean, Koivinen is one of the... He's It's strange. Like, he's a player where you don't notice him a whole lot, and then you realize how good he is when you really pay attention to what he's doing. He's a, you know, like we just talked about Zach Dean, but I think Koivinen has that sort of thought processing ability on the fly that Zach Dean does and an ability to, to maintain possession, but he's much better at it. Like he's completing more passes. He's attempting more passes. 
Um, you know, he's sustaining pressure really, really well. He's got his game has changed really drastically over the course of this season as well. Um, early in the year, he was more of a just sort of off puck offense kind of guy, just chipping in here and there. Now he seems to be really sort of grabbing the reins and and sort of taking control when he's on the ice a lot more. You know, really, really smart positional player, um, really smart puck mover, really unselfish player, really focused on a team game. Um, and I'm interested in players like that. I feel like the more players like that that you have uh, who can make quick decisions and simple decisions and just play the game really solidly, I think he is a perfect example of that. Um, and I'm not trying to say that I don't think he has a high ceiling. I think that, you know, he's a really crafty passer. Like his offensive threat metric is 17, which isn't super huge, but it's been, it was very low for a very long time. Uh, and in the last couple of games I've done, he's been much more active in terms of trying to generate offense. Um, whereas with Samu Tuomola, it's almost like the opposite is happening. So with, with Koivinen, I think if you get him in the, oh, thank you, Ray bro, all straight out of, straight out of Berta. Um, yeah, with Koivinen, I mean, he's a player who just across the board is just rock solid, you know, preventing offensive exits when he gets involved, when he gets involved, he's good. Defensive entries, he's good when he gets involved. You know, offensive entries, good when he's involved. Defensive exits, good when he's involved. And all of that is rock solid. You know, he's not taking shots from everywhere all night. You know, he's, he's a dual threat offensive guy when he's really moving, um, I, I dig him. I, I think if you can get him in like the, I don't, I don't see any boards really. Like my average list that I track has him at, where is he here? Third 53. So if you can get him like early third, because he's not huge and, and kind of unheralded, if you can get him like early third round, I think you're laughing. Uh, <laughs> What were your thoughts on Henry Nickenen when he was drafted and have you seen him this year? So I haven't seen, I don't think I've seen Henry Nickenen play this year unless it's like by, I think I saw one game where he was the opponent uh, and noticed him a couple of times. Um, yeah, he plays for Yukurit. I think I only saw him play once this year. I mean, like my, my thought on him when he was drafted is that you're looking at, you know, maybe like a, you know, like a perfectly fine and reliable sort of two-way guy like nothing fancy um you know but he's he's big and he and he kind of knows how to use his size and and he's like he's fine i have i haven't i've only seen a little bit of him this year but from what i've seen over the last couple of seasons he's never blown me away but he seems like a perfectly honest and reliable two-way presence who can you know settle into the game and, and just sort of play i don't know if he's going to be an nhl player um but he's he's been fine and he had a good year in the in the liga in terms of production um from what we just had on that on that thing there but i mean i don't know i haven't seen a ton of them this year so i'm not going to be extremely detailed uh also if you haven't tried creamy ranch crispy minis you should definitely do that thank me later uh we just put in an order for pickup uh, at our local no frills which we're picking up tomorrow so un unfortunately we didn't get the chance to pull uh put the put the creamy ranch crispy minis on our on our list um but next time do you think lucas reichel should play in the nhl ahl or del next year uh i've seen him in the del a lot this year he's been very good uh i don't think he's nhl ready um i would think that an 
I would need to talk to him about it personally if it were me. I I mean, if I'm Lucas Reichel, another year in Germany wouldn't hurt. Um, but the AHL, I mean, the AHL might be a possibility, but I don't see if there, I don't see any reason to rush him out of his home country. Um, because he's been very good over there. If you can turn him, if he can stay comfortable over there and be sort of more of an even, even more dominant, you know, two way threat, as well as an offensive guy, then maybe there's something there that, that, you know, would be beneficial for him. But I don't know. I, I personally don't see the rush. And I think that another year in Germany would do him well. That would be my bet. Um, but I mean, you know, bring him to your rookie camp next summer. And if he blows your socks off, then maybe see what happens. But I don't know. I, I just think that there's still a little bit more headroom for him over in, in Germany. Uh, good evening, Brian. What up? How far do you think Brian Johnson will fall because of his injury? Well, I think Brian Johnson is, you know, like I have him at 35. His average rank is down around the fifties. Um, I get the feeling very clear. I, I very certainly think that if he were playing tonight, he would, uh, all right, I'm just going to game off. Uh, if he were playing tonight, I think he would quite easily be a guy who people look more at once they see him, especially if you're looking for a defensive player. And especially when you consider, uh, my apologies for messing with my windows. Um, especially if you consider the fact that last year he was playing like 16U AAA hockey, and now he's one of the better defensemen on paper in the USHL. Um, so, I mean, I don't know about how much he'll fall, but he'll definitely, <clears throat> he definitely won't get a boost. Um, but I think that there are smart teams out there that are running numbers on this and, you know, actually seeing him play. Uh, and I mean, like, look, I like Brent Johnson, but I, I don't, I don't think he's like the next incredible player that no one, no one's ever heard about. I really like him. He does a lot of things that he does a lot of things like defensively, especially really, really, really well. And I know the offense, like, I think the offense has come out more and more over the course of the year, but in my games that I've tracked, I haven't seen a whole lot of it like at all. Um, and I don't really know where all of his points are coming from. I, I mean, cause I, I track games against usually better teams, uh, in the, in the leagues in which the players are playing. Um, you know, I mean, some of his games are really special. Some of his games are, are not, and it's kind of weird. Um, you know, but when it comes time, when the puck is on his stick and he's making, uh, making room for himself and moving the puck, he's really, really good at it you know, real creative passer, really clever. I, I like how he passes the puck for sure. Like he earns his pass percentage a lot. Um, and I, I think that as a defense first defenseman, like I'd rather have him than say, than say like a Jake Martin, but it's only, only just like, he's a few slots ahead of him. But I think with Brent Johnson, you know, if his skating can take a step, like straight line generation of speed, uh, if that can take a step, over the next couple of years, like if you bring him along slow, uh, and try to just, you know, let him to let him play a little bit more dynamically. Like he's not nearly, he's not even close to the top. He's at the bottom of my leaderboard when it comes to total offensive transitions. And he's just not, he's just a very passive player overall, but he's very good at being passive. So, you know, like I, I think he's an interesting 
an interesting player to to have on your board. Uh, and I think he would have gotten a boost, but I mean, I, I like him, but I don't know about his overall value coming out of the draft. I mean, in terms of an NHL impact player, but I think there's a nice blank slate to work with. I just think that the hype train with him is his, his pick two twenty four data is crazy good. And you know, he's got skill and he's a good passer, good evasion ability. But I think that the train is like pretty intense and I like him. I am a believer, but I also think that there are, are issues with his game. And it, But if he's a guy that you can land in like the third or fourth round, then yeah, you, you have, have a great time. Uh, what are your thoughts on two NHL executives saying they wouldn't trade Kaprizov for Eichel on the Athletic article? Um, I don't know what you want me to say. Uh, I would trade Kirill Kaprizov for Jack Eichel. I, I don't know. I would. Um, you know, the only thing, the only thing that would, that would tweak my thinking on that. And again, this is the only thing is that, you know, I really like Jack Eichel as a hockey player, but I mean, you wonder what all those miles in Buffalo has done to him mentally and like what, whether he means to or not, what he brings to Minnesota. I don't know. I just... The Buffalo Sabres just, I mean, maybe they've looked a little better recently. And, you know, maybe all they needed was just a kick in the pants and a return to normalcy. But, uh, I, I mean, I look at I look at Kaprizov and, and say also, like, they spent so long bringing him over and trying to get him to come to Minnesota and telling him how great it is. And all of a sudden he comes here and it's great. Like, he, he's been doing great. He might win the Calder this year. Um, it, he's doing great. And then literally in his first season, you move him. And yes, granted, you move him for a superstar. But to me, that nukes your goodwill with... That that nukes your goodwill with the Russian hockey players for, like, for a long time. Because they'll just be like, well, if we're good, you'll just trade... Like, you'll trade us if you get the chance. Not saying that that would happen, but that would be the only hang-up if I'm Minnesota. It's like, well, we have the kid, and he's really good, and we're winning... And we bring in a guy who's captained one of the worst teams in the last few years and who has been, you know, hurt, but also noticeably dejected about playing the game for a, quite a while. Uh, and, you know, maybe, maybe there's something there. But again, I'm trying to be devil's advocate. I personally would happily take Jack Eichel on my hockey team. Uh, I don't think anyone would say no to that. And if it cost you a guy who might win the Calder Trophy this year, who's a very good offensive skilled winger, then okay. Who do you think is this the most underrated talked about? Okay. Who do you think is the most underrated talked about late round pick in this year's draft? Well, that is a, that is a loaded question because that requires, uh, that requires me to think about 200 names that could go off the board and who is left at the end. I don't know. Like, if you had told me last year that... I mean, like, a late-round pick in 2020 that, that I think was underrated was Poshin, but there were reasons that he slipped so far in the draft. Um, same thing with Zion Newbeck, and he didn't even fall that far. Uh, Anton Johannesson also fell, but there are also reasons for that. I don't know. You can ask me that question after the draft. Um, 
you know, I mean, there are going to be guys, I mean, guys last year that I really liked went undrafted. I mean, Cameron Berg is playing in this all American game tonight and he's one of the better players on the, on team white right now. Um, in my view, from what I remember seeing, you know, Ethan Cardwell should have been drafted and now he's pulverizing the Swedish third division against men. Uh, albeit the Swedish third division, uh, Pavel Tutniev had a great year. Um, lots of guys that I really liked went undrafted. And so I'm sure that same thing will happen again this year. Like I think Alexi Hamosalmi as like a late round swing would be one that, that you might be able to get late. Like my short list involves all the likely slots where the Leafs will pick this year. And I mean, like if any of these five guys are available late in the draft, I swing on them. Um, Marcus Almquist and Jackson Blake, they're small. Um, and that could honestly like Jackson Blake is small, but can't, isn't the best skater. And that on its own might let him slip. Um, you know, Jackson Blake, uh, uh sorry, uh, Marcus Almquist, he's really small, but I, I think that if he's a late round swing, you could do much, much worse. Um, Caden Bankier, I've really, I really liked the game that I saw out of him and is like, a. I think there's a high floor there, but maybe not a ton of upside. But, I mean, I, I really liked the game I saw of him. Lucas Gustafsson, uh, I haven't seen anyone talking about him. Um, and, I mean, I think there are flaws in his game. But, again, as like a seventh-round, sixth-round pick. Like, I think that's a guy worth talking about. He's been great with Cushing Academy this year, although he's pretty old for a prep school player. But with Chicago, I mean, the Chicago Steel, he's looked pretty solid as well in, in very, very limited usage. Um, and then you might have a Russian goalie in Karel Gerasimyuk that still doesn't seem to be on very many lists, uh, and you could pick him up late, and he's been fantastic all year. I don't know, but it's a really hard question to answer when the draft is still um, three months away, four, almost four months away. Which doesn't sound like that long, actually, now that I say it. Uh, Lost my spot here. Uh, hey, Will, really enjoy your work. Did you see Craig Button's top drafted prospect list? Any mention, any main thoughts and specifically on Rossi at 31? I mean, look, there's a very good chance that this, this COVID thing with Marco Rossi really sets him back. Like, I don't know. It, I hope it doesn't. And I'm sure he has the utmost best of medical care and the Minnesota Wild will spare no expense at trying to make him as good a player as they can, as safely as they can. Um... But this is tough. Like, this is really, really tough. And I cannot imagine it's easy. Um, and look, if Craig Button thinks that there's, you know, it's more negative than positive with Rossi, then yeah, I would see why he would bump him down a whole lot. Uh, I honest, I saw that list and like, I can't say a bad word about Craig Button. I, I like the guy himself. I've, I've only interacted with him very, very briefly. But like, from everything I've heard from everyone I know, he's a very lovely person. And so I'm not going to sit here and yell about that. And it's also like, look, this is why I don't like making lists like what Craig put out. And I think it's really futile. It is, it is once you start amalgamating 32 different teams and their strategies with developing and drafting prospects and trying to pick and choose who fits in where and, you know, it, it gets really smelly really quickly to me. You know, I I did it once for a podcast that asked me to do it. And, like, obviously, as soon as it shows up on Instagram or on Twitter or whatever, people start yelling and screaming because their players that they like weren't on it. People start screaming because you put this person above this person and 
this fan doesn't like that this player is here. It just, you know, and then you end up defending yourself for something that's like, these guys are like this far apart. Like someone was in my DMs talking about how I could think that Trevor Zegras was a better player than Tim Stutzla. And it was literally number five and six on a top 30 list league wide. And it's like, okay, if that's how you, if that's the thing, then fine. We'll, we, we can cross that bridge, whatever we can, we can dissect that until the cows come home. But like, what's the point? They're so close. That's why they're next to the next to each other. Um, and Craigslist, like it's his opinion. He's been known to have his opinions about stuff. And I think that's perfectly fine. Uh, obviously I don't necessarily agree with all of it, but like those lists are ridiculous in the first place. You can't win. You just can't win. There's no right way to do it. There just isn't. They always, always, always look silly down the road. Like, it's why I only put out a ranking like three times a year and why I do tiers. Because it's so much depends on what type of playing style you're looking for, how well you project and, and manage their development, how realistic you are about that player and their development. Like, I don't know. I could put one out, but it's just not really useful to me. Um... So, I don't know. It's fine, but Marco Rossi at 31, like, if you look at it and go, he hasn't played all year because his COVID case is so bad that he can't play and and hasn't been able to play since the World Juniors, then sure, I get that logic. I get it. I'm still a believer in Marco Rossi, which is why I'm wearing the jersey. If you had the chance to run player development on a bad team not named Buffalo, what would you do? Well, I would do it. I I would take the job. I mean... My approach to player development is individually tailoring it. Like every single individual player, like I don't really think it's that big of a job to look at all of the players you draft and look at them in isolation a lot and say, "All right, here is where they need there here's where they need to work. Here's where they're special and here's where they're fine." And you just sort of, you know, work with their coaches I don't really feel the need to be the kind of person to like be interjecting in their development, especially as someone who is not like, I'd never have coached. I've never been in player development, but if it was my job, if it was part of my job to like stay up to date, I'd be tracking their data. I'd be tracking, you know, the changes in their data. I would be checking in every once in a while personally to like, see how they were, you know, just sort of, you know, person to person privately um and just sort of pick their brain and let them pick my brain and and whatever but i mean also and if it was with buffalo i would do it like i'm not scared i i don't think i if if buffalo calls me you know buffalo is the butt end of jokes but you know they're still an nhl team and they still can be turned around like p teams have been in bad situations before and you can turn them around um so I would, I mean, if I was working in player development, I mean, I, I think there could be something there, but it would be, I would, I would do it. And my thing would basically be detailed individual development plans that are backed by data and video. And, you know, instead of just shoving charts and stuff in front of the coach and the player every week to be like, you need to be better at passing the puck across the defensive blue line. It's like my communication would be way more sort of take a step back, you know, and casually sort of go over how things are going um, and try to just understand things from a high level, like how things are are coming along. Um, But also I think a lot of player development is talent evaluation in the first place. Like I think you have to understand like what you're getting in a player the day they're picked and then realistically saying like, what could this guy be? 
and then you set the bar and if they surpass it down the road great but expecting them to be like well if they learn how to skate really well or if they learn how to do this or if they learn how to do this you know then that thing makes things a little bit more cloudy for me when it comes to player development um but if there's clear on ice tendencies that just they aren't getting rewarded for it or there's just something where there's a weakness that you can identify that isn't based on a fundamental trait of how they play the game and rather you know maybe it's just that they're playing too conservatively in the offensive zone but you see the fundamental talent for them to do more in in the offensive zone in dangerous areas more often that would be a player development thing where i would think that it should be pretty easy to sort of guide them in the right direction as long as you have evidence of that strong fundamental um fundamental skill i should say but beyond that i mean i don't know how much of player development also is just getting them reps and playing minutes and making mistakes and learning um you know you can plan things out as much as you want but the proof of the pudding's in the eating uh considering many drafted players take many years to develop it do you expect some of your older reports to blow up and improve the channel when those guys make their nhl debut i mean it would be nice uh i mean my channel explodes around june every year and it's pretty wild um but yeah i mean if it happens it happens uh, it'd be nice um i mean what what is kind of nice is that the really obscure players there's not much else out there and so when those players you know like arseny gritsiuk i mean i don't know if he's ever going to be an nhl player but it would be nice if he was um and then you can sort of call back to that stuff but that's just me patting myself on the back which nobody likes um i mean it might be it might be fun though like especially like a dominic fensori that would be dope if he ever becomes an nhl player for the carolina hurricanes favorite arena food great question um i mean the arena that i go to the most that is you know like i i mean not the most but i go the most to watch hockey especially before the pen like the arena that i go to the most in my life would be the air canada center or the scotiabank center whatever you want to call it uh and the arena food there is actually pretty good if you can afford the food um but any sort of extremely absurdly huge hot dog with lots and lots of toppings on it usually is the arena food that i go for but if not hot dogs are are the the way to go for me i'm a hot dog guy um oh i see some twitch questions i very much apologize uh they didn't feed into my multi-stream chat I'll, i'll answer them after this one um yeah uh yeah i would just say any sort of hot dog related food I'm not a huge fan of the pump cheese nachos, really. Uh, but yeah, definitely a hot dog guy. Uh, actually had sausages on a bun tonight, uh, which was very tasty. Hello, Alex. Uh, where would you put Shakir Mukamadoulin and Brock Faber in this year's draft? Thanks and have a good life. Uh, I mean, Shakir Mukamadoulin, I don't know. I might have been too harsh with him last year, but I certainly wouldn't have him ranked anywhere near where he went. Um because he's a big defenseman who can skate ish and you could bet on that i guess brock faber i think would be a much easier one to place this year like i like brock faber more than a kirill kersanov archyom grushnikov even a jack pert uh yuri tihachek even uh you know i'd probably have him in the fifth tier towards the higher end like i don't know if i would take him over a borgo or a larue or a Panelli or even a chibrikov but 
once we get into the Dylan Duke, Brennan Othman, Sasha Pastajov area, I think I would go with Faber. Shakir Mukamadulin this season, maybe like in the third or fourth round, like in the in this kind of range. We'll we'll say that and move on. Uh, Twitch, who would be a good target for the Devils with the first that they're getting for the for the from the Islanders? Um, there's a whole lot of different ones. I mean, Zach Larue could be an interesting one. He's a bit of a an edge pusher. He's been suspended again. Um, maybe an Oscar Olausen if he's available. Um, Matthew Coronado could be a good, an interesting, an interesting devil. But I mean, I don't know. Figuring out what the Devils are going to be in terms of their identity right now, I don't really know. Um, like Alexander Holtz with Jack, like they have their mobile centers already locked down for a long time. I feel like they could use another center. So maybe, uh, I don't think Borgo has been playing a ton of center this year. Um, let me double check. Uh, or LaRue, I should say. Yeah, LaRue's been playing on the wing in the games that I've seen. Same with Borgo. They're listed at centers, but they're not playing there. Um, like a Pinelli maybe, but I don't know if I would go with a Pinelli. I mean, it depends. It's We'll see who slips. If someone slips, then I think you're having a great time, and I think someone will. Uh, but it's hard to say who exactly that will be. But you can always bet on smaller players as well. Um... Maybe like a Mason McTavish, but he's not super small. Logan Stankoven would be a lot of fun in the in the Devils jersey. Uh, what players rose and fell with more games tracked this week? Uh, I'd have to check. Um, Jeremy Wilmer fell a bit. Uh, I pulled Jerry Verolainen off my list. Um, Matty Beniers is a much softer number one for me. Uh, I mean, the more I think about guys like Wallstead, Hughes, and Eklund. Less so Liesel, but definitely Eklund, Hughes, and, and Wallstead. The less convinced I am that Beniers is my number one, but he's still an extremely talented player. Uh, Ratu moved up a little bit, but not a ton. Who else? Uh, da, 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 da. Trevor Wong, I bumped down into the third round. Um, same thing with Colton Doc. I mean, Colton Doc was inserted in there. Caden Bankier was up into the 50s for me. I really like him uh, and want to see more of him. Um, who else? Those are the big ones. Uh, the rest of them kind of stayed around where I expected them to stay. Guys like Lambos and Moro. Uh, who else? Cole Jordan. You know, they're all kind of up the same alley. In your opinion, what teams are best at developing talent and what is Lambos good at? Uh, I mean... Toronto was good at developing talent, I think. The way that they do it, I think, is the right way. Carolina's doing that a little bit better now, uh, or more and more over time. Um, I'm trying to think. Like, Boston always seems to pull guys out of nowhere somehow. I don't know how, but they do it. Um, hmm. It's also kind of hard to say because I've only seriously been, like, watching hundreds and hundreds of games a year for, like, three seasons and seeing how those guys have developed might be a little, little tough right now. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the first names that come to mind, like Toronto does a really good job. They've had a lot of young players step in and, and play pretty well, and there's more coming. Um, you know, they're not biting on the Timothy Lilligren hysteria. They're not rushing Nick Robertson into the NHL, um, Rasm or Rasmus Sandin for that matter. Um, there's a few others I'm sure that I'm missing. Um, 
but I can't I can't recall every team's developmental pipeline off the top of my head. What is Lambos good at? Well, yeah, I tracked him this week. Um, it's unfortunate that he's done, uh, basically. But, I mean, I think Lambos is going to project as a defensive player. Like, I don't think he's got the offensive offense that you... I don't know. I I think he's going to be a perfectly reasonable sort of two-way defender that leans a little bit more defensively, but he is good in his own end. Like, blocking transitions, he's very good. Um, but, yeah, I just I have him around the sort of mid-first round. You could maybe convince me to look at him bet- after 15th overall or something, but I feel like he's going to be gone before then. Um, there's just a lot of stuff that isn't super high level with him. But he is laterally mobile. He's smart with his positioning. He can close off breakouts and turn play around really quickly. Um, you know, he has a great awareness of the ice. And I think that that's kind of something you can bank on. Um, but I'm not I'm not clamoring to pick him in sort of the top 10 like he was sort of advertised before the season. I, I'm a fan. There, You know, but the things that he's good at lean more defensive. Um, but the things that he's... He's fine offensively, but yeah, I don't know. A lot of the problems that I have with Carson Lambos and a lot of other Canadian defensemen is that the way that they play is just like, like, look at this. Like, this is a good example here. So Carson Lambos' offensive controlled zone transition percentage is 54%, which is okay. Uh, But coming out of the defensive end, it's 81%, which is for a defenseman, like, good. Because usually when they exit the defensive zone, they don't have a ton of pressure or they have to deal with one layer of defense and they can evade around it. Um, if this number is below like 70%, then we might have a bit of a problem. But uh, you're en- he's entering the offensive zone and turning the puck over 80% of the time. And this is pretty common with a lot of defensemen is that the possession just gets handed over immediately. And um, like before, so let's take a quick look uh at defenseman only that I've tracked and I know I'm letting you in on a bit of a gong show here this is my actual back end and what it looks like so just filtering for offensive entry percentage like Scott Moore obviously is number 1 uh that's that's obvious um but so let me also just remove low sample uh so these are the guys that we're interested in so what you'll notice here is offensive entry percentage, which is this. Uh, so you've got a zero there in Topias Vilen, which is a guy that I've actually liked. Um, so might need to do more on him. Um, Aiden Hraschuk, 9%. That's just not great. Carson Lambos down near the bottom. Um, as much as I like Jake Martin, it's another thing he's not super good at. Uh, but then up here you've got, you know, Luke Hughes enters the offense offensive zone with control 74% of the time. Um you know, you're, you're, you're laughing. Um, Owen power, 70%, also very good. Uh, you know, these are the kinds of players that you should be more interested in. I mean, Vladislav Lukashevich, I mean, he puts up good data, but I don't, I don't really buy it. The rest of them though are, are very, very interesting. Um, so, and I, I find that with a lot of North American defensemen, like you'll notice a lot of them here, like Cheka played in the OHL last year, um, Lambos is down here. Reschuk is in the in the U.S. Um, it's just there's a lot of that kind of dump in hockey, and it's just not the brand that I'm super interested in. Um, 
you know, it's, it's just not a brand of hockey I'm super interested in. And it shows in this kind of thing. And it's, it's a, and I don't know how you break that habit. I don't, and I don't know if Lambos has the sort of agility and, and puck control that's necessary for a defenseman to get there. Uh, and, 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 and do that more successfully. Whereas a guy like Hughes or even a power are certainly more capable of, of that kind of play. Um, but again, like I just, that mean to me, that means that Carson Lambos just isn't as valuable as the guys at the top end of the draft playing defense at the back end, I think is where I'm more back in the mid hat middle of the, sorry, middle of the first round towards the later end. If he starts slipping, but I don't, I don't think he will. Do you do all your tracking work in sheets and Excel or do you other use, to use other to, other tools as well? I use for tracking Excel. Um, sometimes I use R for like number crunching and like insights that, that I just do just for fun. Um, but yeah, 99% of my stuff is, is on Excel or Google sheets, I should say, which is very like, I don't know. I'm really pushing the limits of Google sheets. I'll say that much too. What are the easiest skills for teams to teach the teach post draft? I mean, I don't know. It depends on the player. Like some things are going to come easier for the player and some things are not. I don't, I don't, I think there's only like, I mean, the work I did for McKean's, there's only so much I think you can do with a player that, you know, I think there's only so much you can do with a player that can really change them into a much, much better player quicker than every other NHL draft pick. Like you make a pick every other team is making picks and they're all going to be interested in elevating those players to the NHL at some point. Um, to me, I think the easiest things to teach is when you can show a player that they're capable of something that they're not, that they're not doing like a really good example. And I won't spoil it, but someone asked if, if there was an Atu Ratu report coming and it's coming, uh, it's the sixth one. So after the next one, it's the one after, um, and, and he does so many things very well, but you want to sit him in a room and talk with him and look at video of him playing and encourage him to do more dangerous stuff more often because he can. And I feel like that kind of thing should be relatively easy to work into his game and, and let him try because he does stuff like that at the junior level. It just doesn't come out at the legal level. So to me that that's relatively straightforward like it's to me it's easier when you have a guy who can skate and and move the puck and has skill you you it's easier to teach a player to use the, those more often and take more risks than it is to say well you can't keep up with pace at NCAA hockey level so we got to put you in power skating courses and hope you can catch up at some point like that to me is is far more difficult um, or a, le- helping guys spot, you know, if guys are skating into traffic way too much and not adapting to it super well, working that out of their game, hopefully is relatively straightforward. But again, it could depend on the kind of person you're dealing with. You know, they could, they could disagree with you. They could say, well, I'm not, I don't, I don't, I don't need to do that. Screw that. Like, you don't you it it depends on the other person as well so it's hard to just answer that question cleanly as like a blanket thing but to me the the things that should be easier are things that you're seeing but they're not being utilized as optimally as they could and to me like that's a that's an encouragement thing like a it's it's easier to encourage someone to try something than it is to try to get someone to not do something and you know, or trying to teach someone how to do something. Like if they're a three out of 10 
and you need them to be at a 7 out of 10, that can be a large, a large gap to cover, regardless of what skill you're talking about, depending on the person. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I don't know. But I'm also not a skills coach. Like, I'm not... I'm not strictly involved in the in the st- skills and development thing, which is why if I'm on a scouting team, I want to bounce these ideas and these players off of development coaches and skills coaches who who know their who know their stuff. Like I I don't know I don't know everything here. I don't know very much actually now that I think about it. Uh, should the Leafs bring Romanov to the AHL already? Oh, Amirov. Uh, I don't see the rush. Uh, I mean, maybe if he wants to come over, maybe, but. I don't see the rush. Similar to Lucas Reichel. He took a step in the KHL this year. I wouldn't be too upset if I'm Toronto to see him go and stay in Russia for another year. He's a top six forward for a KHL team. Primary offensive threat. He's got a lot of friends on that team. Um, that that I think that they're a good, young, exciting Russian pro team that, you know, if he spends another year there, I don't think it's the end of the world. Um, I think he's good enough to be an AHL player, but I don't, I don't think that there's a point. I think that maybe if it's like an ATO, they can bring him over and just try him and see how he, you know, introduce him. But in terms of ELCing him, bringing him over, making him play in the AHL next season, I think that might be a little hasty. But if he signs a one-year extension or a two-year extension with a foreign release clause or something in the KHL, if he can, then maybe that would make sense. Uh, one more, one more Twitch question just popped up and I'll answer it first. Uh, if the devil's first this year is in the seven to 10 range after the lottery, would it be smarter to package their first together and get the guy at the top of the round or would, I would sit and wait. I would wait. If you have the seven to 10th overall, I would, I would wait, um, and see who's available. Like if it, it depends on who might be there. Um, but I think, I think you're going to get a good player one way or the other. Uh, I I think the defensemen are going to go pretty quick guys like power, uh, Clark, um, you know, if you can bet on a Luke Hughes, that might be okay. Um, but yeah, I'm, a, I, 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 I wouldn't package the picks and trade up. I think you just keep stockpiling, uh, and just add a guy that you really like who's slipping. Uh, any recent views on players from the Quebec league? Did your opinion change on some of them? Um, Zach Balduke had a better game than I thought he would when I tracked him a little while ago. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's not a ton in the Quebec league that I'm really over the moon about guys like Bourgo and LaRue. I need to go back on, um, Zach Dean after seeing him, like I see the appeal, but I still think I wouldn't take him where a lot of people have him ranked. Uh, who else is up here? Like Bal Balduk, Balduk, um, like Balduk overall is fine. Not great. There are some really big red flags with him. Like, I do not like his shooting habits at 5-on-5. Five five. Like, this is, I think, three games where he's been playing a lot of minutes. 75% of his shots are coming from areas where you're just not going to score. And unless unless you have, like, an Alexander Holtz-level shot, and he's, and he's ranked in areas, like, in the top 15 on some lists. And I just, I don't trust a not-great shooting player who shoots 75% of his attempts from low danger can't complete 40% of his passes as a center allows 71% control on defensive transitions as a center in low workloads. You know, it's just, he's an okay offensive transition player. He can get a decent head of steam going, but I just, I don't know. Like again, 
he might be a guy where someone else takes him 13th overall. And I'm sitting there going, all right, like, fine. I think he'll be a player. Like, a, like a, I think he'll be like a middle six. I don't know if he's going to be a center or a winger. But like a middle six playmaking winger, maybe. And if that's what he is, great. But I also really, you know, like I've seen him do some greasy stuff on the ice where I question where his head is at sometimes. Like he'll throw elbows, he'll go, you know, he'll he'll be that antagonist, but not in the way that like other teams would really think was a respectful version of antagonism. Like he takes runs at guys, and I'm just not a fan of players who do that a whole lot. Um, and I think it's to your team's detriment at some point. At least it would be to me. Um, but if Bolduc is there in the second round for some reason, because some lists do have him there, and you know, you've know you got a lot of pipeline guys and you maybe would be okay with maybe an energy level player that can make a play here and there, then sure, maybe you could convince me. But there's a lot of stuff in his data where I'm like, I don't know. Based on the role he's in, I, yeah, I just, I don't know. Uh, what? Oh, oh, weird. I saw it weird. Uh, did you see something new about Scott Morrow this week? Uh, I mean, he still had a spectacular game. Um, like anything short of astoundingly good for him at his level is a troubling thing. Uh, and he was astoundingly good, uh, again. And, but you can only say so much. Like he might be one of the biggest wild cards in the draft. I do think that there are things about him that are issues, but again, like if we're talking about development, he has so much about him that is so strong fundamentally for a defenseman of his size, especially, you know, he's, he's agile. He's got great hands for a defenseman. He's creative. He is, he's, he's risky, but he takes calculated risks and he, and he, and he pulls it off pretty well. He does have some issues when it comes to, he has bad habits. I think when he's, when he's retrieving pucks, and turning play around and starting offensively, he can be really patient and cause turnovers here and there where you're like, Scott, all you had to do was just pass the puck to a winger at the, like you're talking about the Des Moines Buccaneers, triple a under 18 team. Like they're not going to catch you. So either move your feet or move the puck and just don't give the, just don't turn the puck over. That's the thing. Right. And I'm sure that sitting him down and being like, please don't turn the puck over in these situations. He's not going to sit there and go, ah, screw you. Like, I think he'll get it. I think he'll get there. And I think the talent profile is good enough that he'll get there. Um, so I think that I, I, I would think that if his freshman year isn't great, I wouldn't be surprised. But after that, I think is where you're going to start seeing things come together or halfway through his freshman year. Like Jake Sanderson is going to be a teammate of his next year. If I'm the coach there, I take Scott Morrow and show him Jake Sanderson clips and go, yeah, okay, you want to be a super high-level defenseman and play a bit more of a daring offensive game? Take a few tips from Sanderson. You know, not that Sanderson is a hugely offensive defenseman. He can be, but take a few pointers from him because I think Scott Morrow has more skill than a, than a, than a Sanderson does. But Sanderson has a tempo to his game that I think that Morrow just hasn't shown, at least not often enough to me. Um, and, and he should to me at, at the prep level. But I do really, really like him. And he didn't move anywhere really in my ranking. Like, I don't think I could put him much higher than I have him, which is at 23, like realistically. 
I mean, if I had a few whiskeys, maybe like 18 or 19, but I I think Oscar Olausen is a good player. Stanislav Fozil might be a really nice, really nice project to work on. I don't know. Like you could convince me to take him over like a Chaz Lucius, but that would have to be a real hard case. I think. Um, who does Rutger McGrory remind you of? I've only seen him a couple of games um, of him, to be honest. I mean, he's a good player. I don't know who he reminds me of. He's 16 years old. I don't know. I don't even think he... I mean, I'm sure he knows who he reminds me, himself of. Um, but I don't know. Not off the top. I don't know off the top of my head, unfortunately. Um, where's the under 18 page? Because you asked about that as well. Um... Anyone worth keeping an eye on? I mean, yeah. I mean, for the under-18s... Uh, so, for the under-18s this year, I am quite excited to get get it going. Uh, I... I, I uh, so, I'm curious to see Dmitry Kuzmin and Alexander Suvarov playing uh, for these teams. I think they're on the roster. Um, oh, no. Suvarov would have been there last year. But Kuzmin will, right? No, he won't. Why not? Oh, my life is shattered. Weird. Maybe he's not a... Whatever. I don't want to break my heart on, on camera live on the internet. Um, anyone who I'm keeping my eye on? I mean, Sweden, I, I, like, the, I like some of the 03 Swedes. Um, let's just take a look at some of these rosters. Uh, like, I, I really like Simon Robertson... Isaac Rosen is another one. Fabian Liesel is the other one. I re- I like Arvid Elias. I think he could be a guy who makes a name for himself at this tournament. I hope it's the Elias Salomonson coming out party because he's gross. Same thing with Simon Forsmark. Uh, I hope Simon Edvinson has a big tournament. I'm crossing my fingers. Um, there's a lot of guys who I want to see play really well for the Swedish team. Um, so we'll see. Uh, for Canada, I mean, obviously Connor Bedard is a heck of a hockey player. That's not surprising. Um, I want to see Olin Zellweger play against some, some international teams. Uh, I have thoughts about him already. Uh, same thing with Dylan Gunther at this tournament. I mean, I'm sure he's going to score points, but I want to see how he plays. Um, Brant Clark back on North American ice is going to be another big one. Um, Canada does have a pretty gross team. They are pretty good. Uh, wait, Chase Stillman has been playing in Denmark. Is that a thing? Holy crap, he has been playing in Denmark. With two points a game. Alright. Well, that's interesting. Might have to check that out. Uh, Belarus? Eh. Mm. Not much going on there. They didn't bring my boy for some reason. I don't know why they wouldn't have... Weird. Uh, Germany? Um, I'm curious about Bennett Rossmi in Germany. Um, this guy see what happens. Um, but other than that, not a whole lot. Hakan Hanelts here and there maybe, but more Bennett Rossmi is, is my kind of, my kind of jam. Um, Latvia, uh, there's a couple of Latvians I kind of have liked, like Gustav Zoselinch. Uh, I've caught him a bit, but I don't really think there's a ton there. I don't know. They're, they're, they're Latvians. I mean, they're, they're fine, but I don't know. I don't expect them to be super competitive for the Russians. It depends on what their team looks like. Um, I mean, Fyodor Svechkov, I hope, has a good tournament. Curious to see what Daniil Lazutin brings to the table, but um, I, he, I've never been a huge fan of him. I mean, it could be a Dmitry Katalevsky. Uh, it could be a Dmitry Katalevsky 
um, coming out party. Ilya Ivansov is also an interesting player that I've seen play a little bit with SKA. Um, all right, I got the I got the bots on the tweet on the Twitch thing. Does that mean I does that mean I've made it? Am I famous now? Um, there's an O four defenseman that I don't think is here. Yeah, he is not, unfortunately. Guy for Locomotive, who's really, really good. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, though, but he's not on this list for sure. Otherwise, I would know his name. Um, the Russian team could be an interesting one as well. I'll, I'll give them that. Um, the rest, I don't think, have any rosters. Uh, yeah, definitely got to look at Chase Stillman if I can find any video. What is Louis Crevier's best trait? I mean, he's a really... I mean, he's big, but he uses his size really effectively. He's kind of a good wet blanket player. Um... But, yeah, we'll see how he does when he leaves the QMJHL. But, yeah, he's he's a big dude with a big reach and knows how to use it. Any thoughts on Gunther's crazy production? Uh, yeah, I mean, I like Gunther a lot. I didn't move him up my list very far. Um, he's just really, he's a crafty, smart, creative player. Um, there's a lot of things that he does. You know, he's not the paciest player, but he's very smart. Uh you know, in terms of my brand of hockey, he's not the goldenest, the most golden example, but I have him at 10. I mean, I could easily have him as a guy, like if the conversation was like, we're thinking Ratu, Robertson, Gunther, Johnson, or Edvinson, you know, Ratu and Simon Robertson would be my preference, but Gunther... Yeah, I see the appeal. I could I could be convinced for sure, especially if I have a lot of dynamic, speedy, you know, two-way players that, that you know, drive play a lot. Because with Gunther, if he's got the puck, you know, he knows how to navigate around guys. He knows how to move around the ice in terms of, like, creating space, identifying it, getting in there. You know, the perfect time to send a dangerous pass is also something that he does very well. Uh, yeah, I just need to see more of him. I mean, the teams that he's playing just haven't put put up a, much of a fight, I don't think, when he's on the ice. That's the other thing. But the second game I tracked of him was better in a lot of ways um, and less. Like, his first game was pretty ridiculous, but he had some serious flaws with passes and, and transitions offensively. And while the passes was were still kind of hit or miss, um, he's still, like, a quarter of his passes are dangerous. And there's a ton of them. Um, so in the offensive zone, he's doing a lot, especially moving pucks around. Uh, but I just, I mean, his total game projecting, I want to see more. Uh, but I'm sure he's going to do just fine in the, at the under 18 for sure. And um, there was something else that made me think there, but I can't remember what it was. Something else that made me think, he says. Um, and yes, Connor Bedard is very good, but that's not news. Hey, well, just wondering what you thought of Ethan Cardwell this season. Uh, he's one of the, he is the best non-Swedish player to go play at that third division level over there. Like his involvement percentage is at like 65%. He's been insane. Uh, I really, really like Ethan Cardwell and I'm not surprised he's playing so well. He should be drafted this year. I don't know. Uh, uh, Mr. Braz, I did not. I did not track the Jurgarden game today. I did. I've done. I'm done with the Eklund tracking. I'm. I'm done. I've moved on. Um, but yeah, Holtz looked pretty good. I don't understand why people are pooping all over Alexander Holtz this year. He's been better than he was last year, in my view. Um, I do think that 
there were I mean there were red flags in the data that were highlighted last year but he's gonna be a guy who is a shooter and a scorer and that's what he does he's underrated in some areas but his bread and butter is gonna be goal scoring fingers crossed it only goes up from here who's the better goal scorer Sillinger or Ken Johnson Cole Sillinger easy 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 Samuel Morin has an interesting pro career so far from a defenseman to playing mostly left wing. Do you think now he's better forward or a better defenseman? I mean, he's playing forward and he wasn't playing D before. Um, so I guess, I don't know. It's weird. I haven't watched a ton of Sam Morin, so I can't really give you a detailed answer. Uh, but if he's playing wing and they're keeping him there, I mean, the Flyers aren't very good. But if it's working, it's working. Sasha Pastorzov keeps getting more points. Do you see him t- team picking him up in the first round? Yes, teams will take him in the first round. Yes. Um, is Luke Hughes' injury serious, and do you see him falling as a result? I mean, from what I've heard, it's not it's it's serious enough to keep him out, and it'll be like a matter of like a couple of months before he's back on skates. Um, but I think the right people are taking care of him, and uh, luckily, children who are his age are superhumans and can heal quite well um and he has access to the best care money can buy um so i don't think it's that big of a problem but it can be like ligaments in the foot you don't want to mess around with a ton especially if you're dealing with you know ankle flexion pushing off of an ice surface and applying strain to the bones and ligaments in your feet because there are lots of them um and they can be very finicky i i when i was in high school i played volleyball very poorly and uh went to i i went up for a spike in practice one day came down and landed on my setter's foot with my one foot and then rolled off uh and i slipped a tendon um i didn't it didn't happen until the next day which was kind of weird um but in math class the next day uh a tendon in my foot slipped off of one of my bones and my it was weird it was the weirdest feeling i've had in a long time uh, and it's the only time I've had to go to like physiotherapy for like an injury heal. Um, and that wasn't very fun. And I still have fatigue. Like one, I, there was a phase in my life where I went scuba diving for a little while. Um, and I would always notice that one foot tired out before the other foot. Now I'm also not the most athletic or in shape person. So that might also have been a factor, but it, those things, like if, if they don't get healed properly or, or well enough and i'm you know i mean i just went to some physiotherapy clinic in west toronto i'm not luke hughes um then yeah maybe there's issues there but i i think that it's not really that much to be worried about as long and they're not rushing him back into games right so that's not a bad thing is skating a big detractor for lucius remember centers like horvat and monaghan got knocked for skating um i don't think with lucius it's that big of a deal i definitely value like i don't think it's poor like Sasha Pastajov, I think is going to be a guy who gets negated quite a bit due to his skating. But Chaz Lucius, I think is a guy who can manage it just fine. I don't, you know, I, I don't think he's going to be a defensive wizard. Uh, he's very inactive defensively. Like if you look at the number, oh, of course this is broken now. Um, that's no good. I'm going to be up late fixing this. Oh my goodness, I've made a mess. Um, so yeah, we'll just stick with this. So with Chaz Lucius, I mean, I have him ranked in the in the 21, 2021 range, and I think he could rise, but the, I don't know. There's something weird with his profile. 
it, again, I've said this a lot. I don't know why specifically, and it could be different for everyone else or it could be a very big coincidence. But go back in the last decade of drafts and look at all the guys who score goals and that's it. Now, I look at Chaz Lucius and go, yeah, there's 16 pass attempts per 60 minutes in the games I've tracked where he is moving it into into dangerous areas. He's just not completing them very much. And, you know, like a quarter of his pass attempts are dangerous, which is pretty remarkable for a guy who doesn't have any assists. Um, but that leads me to question his vision and ability to actually find a target rather than just shoveling pucks out in front. And that gives me sort of Quinn, Jack Quinn vibes from last year. Um, I don't think it's a huge detractor for, for Lucius. I don't think it's, I don't think it's as bad, especially once he got his feet moving after a couple of games. Um, he covers ice well, but he's not quick, but he's, but he's crafty enough and such a talented finisher that I, I, I'm not super concerned. I just, I just worry about the type of player that he'll turn into and how valuable he'll be if he's a guy that you're taking like eighth overall. I, I don't think I would do it, but as an auxiliary offensive threat player who's competent, like not a defensive sieve in the NHL, then maybe you could make the case for that there. And he has great sort of skill in tight, great finishing ability and, and all those wonderful traits that you love. Um, but again, like I just, you look at the list of names that score a ton of goals and not much else before they're drafted. That list is not great. Like Curtis Lazar's on that list. Anthony Manth is a good one. Jake Vertanen's on that list. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Who do you think has the best hands and tool set in terms of puck skill in the draft? Sam Eskevich is pretty up there. Um, I mean, pure puck, puck skill. Uh, and the best hands... I mean, William Eklund is really quick with his hands. Um, he's pretty quick. And Ken Johnson as well, I think, in terms of pure skill, would be up there. Um, actually, yeah, in terms of pure skill, Ken Johnson is probably number one. Just hands. Just just his hands are just wicked. Any thoughts on Connor Roulette? I see an A-rated prospect. However, I've seen a draft board that hasn't I haven't seen a draft board with him in the top 50. Yeah, I've seen Connor Roulette a little bit. I, I I need to see more of him. I might track a bit closer to the draft. I saw him in Junior A this year a bit, and he just he was a good player at that level, but didn't really stand out. Um, I've always felt that there again, he's one of those guys where I don't know what I would sell someone on with him. Um, not a ton of pace to his game. Seems to be good at junior level pace, and I don't really see him pushing opponents around a whole lot. But he's like kind of like a poor man's Dylan Gunther in a way. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't have him ranked yet because I mean, he's a guy that I need to look at again, but I've just never been super blown away with, with roulette when I've seen him. And if he's a guy who a team takes in the first round, I don't know. There's just other guys that I'm more interested in that I've seen way more of. Has the hate for Taylor Hall gotten out of control? I feel like people don't really account for how absurdly, absurdly unlucky a 2.3% ice up 2% shoot shooting percentage on the ices i still think is a good second line winger he's fine uh i mean taylor hall i like taylor hall but i also don't think that he is the heart trophy winner that he was like he's pushing 30 now um taylor hall yeah he's like he must be pushing 30 now 
yeah, he's going to be 30 in November. You know, in this kind of a marketplace, I think he'll fetch you like a first round pick in a package. Sure. Like, would I rather have Taylor Hall or Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac? Probably Taylor Hall. Um, I don't think he's terrible, but I also don't think he's the Hart Trophy winner that he was. And in that year, I'll say it, he shouldn't have won it. Connor McDavid would have been my guy that year because Edmonton missed the playoffs and he did damn near everything he could to get that team there. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, like Taylor Hall is a very good player and you want him for a playoff run. And I think he'll get traded. Um, I don't think I would pay a ton for him, but if it was a first round pick, I, I could do it if I really thought it would give my team a boost. But again, like with trade deadline rentals, you got to be really certain that that player is going to fit your system immediately. And I don't know. You just have to be really, 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 really sure when you're paying a lot. And like, I don't know. That's just my philosophy. Maybe Lou Lamarillo doesn't see it that way. And he's like, no, screw it. They're available to deadline. We're landing them. Um, and you just cross your fingers. Um, maybe that's your strategy, but that wouldn't be mine. Um, but with Taylor Hall, I don't know. We'll see. It depends on the team as well. But I, I think that people pooping all over him has gone a little far. But I also think that he's not like S-tier hockey player anymore. At least not right now. I don't know. Thoughts on Giannis Moser. Is he worth a mid-round pick? I don't see him ranked anywhere, but his stat line is impressive. Yeah, um, I've really tried with him. I've watched him a bunch this year. He's scored in bunches in the first part of the season. I don't see it. He's a good passer but then the rest of the team does the rest of the work. Um, and if you have a defenseman who's a good passer in a rush offense, you can get yourself a secondary assist here and there. He's got a good shot as well. I'll give him that. But, you know, maybe as a late round swing, you bet on him. But I don't know. I'm not as excited about him as I was a guy like Benjamin Baumgartner last year. Um, yeah, I, just, I think his mobility is not quite there. Uh, but his passing game is good. And I, I don't know. Like, similar to guy like Noah, Noah Meyer this year in Switzerland, where it's like, I see what people are getting at, but I don't really think that there's enough to make it work. Um, but, I don't know. Maybe I just need to go back and watch even more of more of Moser. Would a defenseman like Jake Martin or Nolan Allen fit with a defenseman like Sandine or McAvoy or Haskinen? Uh, I know Luke Hughes would fit well with a Valamaki or Bjornfot. Okay, um... I mean, yeah, like, like Noah Allen is a good prevent defenseman with good skill. And I, I think that, you know, yeah, I mean, with a guy like McAvoy or Haskinen, you don't want both of your defensemen playing like McAvoy or Haskinen, uh, especially if you have aggressive offensive wingers. But if you have smart defensemen who can, or wingers who can play, you know, along the blue line effectively, then maybe you could do that. But yeah, I mean, with Jake Martin, he's very conservative with his positioning, and he always sort of airs on giving the puck to his line mates and letting them do the work. Nolan Allen, I think, does similar things, but I've only seen, like, a game of him, so I'm not gonna, you know, write home about him. But I do think that as a prevent defenseman that you can pair with someone more mobile, sure. Um, but with with Allen, I would say that, I, like, with Martin, he's got intelligence and mobility. Allen, I don't think, has a ton of mobility, um but he does have good defensive ability. And I always will bet on mobility over, over guys who are good at defense and in junior that might not be super mobile. Uh, 
your point of view on the Weiss, Weissbox signing with uh, Weissbox signing with Buffalo? Is he a product of Caulfield? I mean, everyone is a product of Cole Caulfield when they're on the ice in Wisconsin. But I like Linus Weissbach. I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna be a, a huge, huge, huge player for the Buffalo Sabers. But I think he's good. Like he was one of the better players that I saw on Wisconsin the last two years. Um, that's but that that was my read on him. Um, not a guy that I would be clamoring to like put in my NHL system. But he's got some skill. He's got some speed. You know, he fit in with a guy like Cole Caulfield. But yeah, Caulfield was driving the bus. But that that's not meant to be an insult to Linus Weisbach. I'm sure he would say similar things. Um, but he was a guy worth signing for sure. And and give him a year or two in the AHL and see what happens. Um, I'm not saying that he's going to be like a dud in the AHL at all. Um, but I, I'm just, I'm kind of more curious than anything to see what happens. Because I do, he has caught my eye a few times with the skill and, and especially like driving wide opening the ice and, and sort of, you know, entering the offensive zone and setting up. He does that from what I remember pretty well, but I mean, relative to Cole Caulfield, I don't think he's on the same level. Uh, because of COVID-19, do you think this draft is going to be a lot of late round steals? This draft is going to be craziness. Um, I don't know. I, it's going to be nuts. And I, I mean, what I'm really interested in is if I'm an NHL team and I call another NHL team and I'm like, Hey, we're thinking about trading down, you know, do you want to move some picks and pick a guy that you're looking at? I feel like the appetite for that might be higher because a lot of teams might be like, we only have a read on like 40 guys anyway. So screw it. Like just, and if you go, well, can you, can you throw in a, could you like, if you say, we'll give you a fifth and a sixth next year, or would, would you give us a fifth and a sixth next year for a, a, I, I don't know. I'm trying to make stuff up off the top of my head. Um, but you might be able to just squeeze out a little bit more value than you originally might have um, because other teams just want to be over and done with it. Um, and that would be an interesting strategy this year. Uh, I don't know if this draft is going to be full of late round steals though, because I don't think there's a ton of really super high end players that could be steals. Like a lot of the players that I have ranked high relative to others are like defensemen who I've really liked that, play a very interesting modern sort of defensive first game and the rest are a lot of forwards that play in Europe that I've just really liked and they're not perfect but they're kind of interesting shots in the dark um that could play specific roles perhaps but I don't know like I don't I don't think the talent level in this year's draft is like unbelievably high um it's fine I think but after a certain point, it, it can be pretty greasy. Uh, so I don't know about late round steals, but there there's always good players available, I think, at almost every pick. Sometimes it gets a little tough. Like last year, I got really hard done by once the sixth or seventh round came by, um, especially once I once the Toronto Maple Leafs landed the Ryan Tverberg pick. I sort of sat there and went, I don't know who I'm taking, so I'm just going to take a guy. Um, and Anton Lukachov came to mind. Um, but it should have been Camberg, and I say that like once a month. Um, but maybe, so I don't know, I guess we'll see, <laughs> but I think it's more likely than not. Hello, Will. What are your thoughts on Stromgen and Logan Mayu? Yeah. Jasmine, 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 Jasmine. Sorry. Um, Stromgren when he's on is really, really good. I have him in the mid second round, but I mean, I need to do more of more games of him. I easily could have him 
much higher. Not necessarily maybe a first-round guy, but in the 30s because of what he does when he's good. When he gets moving, he's a he's a lanky but rangy and skilled guy who can make plays very quickly and very dangerously. And 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 when he's playing well, it's like holy crap, this guy's amazing. Um but like he disappears for very long stretches. You know, he 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 gets a lot of dangerous attempts when it when it comes to shooting the puck, but he doesn't shoot it a ton. He's not making plays a ton. His passing can be kind of lackluster at times. Um, you know, it's it's just a lot of a mixed bag with Stromgren, and I like him. I think that you could do much worse if he's a guy available in the third or fourth round. Um, second round pick, I could see it for sure. Um, but yeah, I, it just on one day you could see him and he looks like a first round prospect, and maybe that's what you should latch on to. Uh, if not, he looks like a guy that just is a guy on the ice, um, which is not what you're interested in. Um, but I, I, I do like him, especially when he gets moving and he's playing well. Uh, and I might have him a little bit too low looking at this now, but, um, I mean, this whole range I do really like from 30 to like 60, I would say I, I like all these guys a lot. Um, yeah. And Logan Mayu, um... Well, his team is terrible. They got a little better once they got more guys on loan. Um, Mayu. Logan Mayu. Um, I mean, the data isn't great with him, but there's only so much you can lay at his feet. His team is terrible, um, but he's not helping a ton. Like, his puck carrying is okay. His defensive ability to block out transitions, like, this is when he's involved and it's rough it's it's rough uh so i think but one thing he does have like his offensive tools are very good he just doesn't get he just doesn't get the chances a ton because his team doesn't get chances like look at that like this is an interesting one so when his team shoots the puck with him on the ice 30 percent of them are him shooting when it's when and and 10 percent of those shot attempts are him from dangerous areas so he steps up from the blue line relatively often even though it's 1.3 or no uh yeah, four four per sixty minutes, not a ton, but he can do it, and he has a really good shot. Like his shot is quick, and for a big guy like that, he can put a lot of power behind it. He really cranks the puck into the net, and that's fine. Um, but he's also playing a ton of minutes for that team. I don't ha- I don't dislike the guy. Uh, it would be really nice if he was playing for the London Knight- London Knights this year, but. I don't know. He's a guy who I also haven't seen in a while, so I might need to circle back, but I've been surprised with how ineffective he is defensively for a guy his size. Um, but I do think that there's a lot of interesting sort of offensive traits to him that he's just not getting rewarded for uh, with his pro team, even though he's scoring points. Uh, thoughts on Tyson Forster's great play in the AHL so far. I have not seen him play in the AHL so far, so I can't really speak to that, unfortunately. I don't. Ju- I just don't have the time to watch a lot of AHL hockey, so I just don't. Uh, recently started following prospects daily. Do prospects who play in pro leagues like the SHL, KHL have higher ceilings than... Well, okay. So it's an interesting question. I see what you're getting at, but again, like so much of this to me is you have to focus on the individual and what's going on with them. Uh, it, it's not easy to just blanket say that. Um, and again, not trying to like pick on you. The, the thing about 
the thing that it, the thing that I like about the European situation is that you get a longer runway. You can let them come along slower. And you don't... With the OHL and WHL, and not so much the NCAA, but the, the CHL, it's, you know, there are guys in the OHL and in the OHL and stuff who don't really have huge ceilings. Like, Yaramir Pitlick was that kind of a guy. I just looked at him and I went, I don't know what you're going to be in the NHL. You play like a bottom six NHL player in the OHL, and you're okay. So... What are you going to, like, maybe if he can translate as he is to the NHL, then sure, maybe there's a bottom six NHL guy there. But that's not, that doesn't, like, the league doesn't denote the player's ceiling. But what it, but the difference between things, it's more of a preference for me. But I look at the European system, especially for, like, later picks in the draft. You, you have time to just stash them away to play, you know, more and more minutes and earn more and more trust with a program that they're probably much more familiar with. Um, and, and they can play against grown men, get trained against that level of play. You know, you bring them along slowly and then eventually, uh, eventually you get to the point where you're going, okay, you could be ready to come over and you don't have to think, you know, if an OHL player plays two years in junior and is a very good junior player, that's still a big jump to go from the OHL to the AHL and not everyone makes it perfectly. It's a big jump. Um, and Europe to North America, European pro, is not, it's a jump, but it's not as big. And, you know, it's it's also very tough. Like, that's part of the uncertainty of the job. Um, but again, like, that's, it's a, it's, a, it's a question that is, it sounds easy to answer, but it's not. Um, I, I think that the way I would think about it is that the strategy with the players should be different depending on where they come from. And that developmental curve and the developmental plan should be different based on where they're coming from and what their specific situation is. Like Fabian Liesel right now is playing like a minute and a half per game or like three minutes and they're just sitting him on the bench. On the surface, that looks bad. But as a European, you can say, all right, Next year, he might play 10 or 12 minutes. He's in Lulio for camp, plays minutes, you know, earns more trust from the coaches, learns how to settle down a little bit and play with more dynamic ability, and he plays 10 minutes a night. Great. Takes a few steps forward. I'm sure there will be some fans who look at him, and if he scores 10 points next year, they'll go, what a terrible pick, and what a terrible general manager, and what a terrible this and terrible that. You know, next year, 15 minutes. At the end of the year, if he's not where you need him to be, there's no pressure to bring him over. You don't have to sign him. All right, go back. Maybe you play 17 minutes, 18 minutes. You know, just keep getting better. Don't worry about it. You're not on the clock really as much. You have twice as long of a runway. In Russia, it's all infinite as far as I know. So there's advantages. But, you know, you can't deny that there are very good players in the CHL and if you're confident, then yeah, you could bring them along and, and do the thing. Like, I have a lot of CHLers in my first round. But Europeans, especially as later round picks, I think do have advantages that, that CHL players just don't have. Like, in terms, especially when it comes to flexibility and developmental runway. I think there's a lot to like there. And I also, especially with guys like defensemen, I think defensemen in Europe play a much more interesting game for my personal brand of hockey that I, that I like to see played. Hey, Will. What's up, Alfredo? What's up? What is preventing you from moving Martino up to the third tier? His defensive game. Offense is so good. Defense is not. Uh, just passive defensively. Um, 
really cheats for his offense, chases breakouts, chases breakaways, chases offense. I think he does it really well and effectively, which is like you can't, I think you're going to have to live with his downside, but that is what keeps him out of that out of that tier ahead of him um right now outside of like and I look at a guy like Sfosel, McTavish, Olasen and go I, there's more complete players there and with Sfosel, there's a more mobile player who is effective defensively who outside of the extra league is insane um and yeah I I don't know I I I don't think he's going to go much further down than this maybe I would take Lucius above him maybe Scott Morrow but that would even be a tough sell but uh, yeah I I feel much more comfortable with him sort of in that group because of the defensive issues that he kind of has although it seems like according to pick 224 he's gotten better but yeah I don't know quick gold silver bronze prediction for the under 18s uh hmm. I'm gonna say Canada wins it because I'm Canadian I have to uh (laughs) no but seriously um yeah I think Canada wins it um I think they beat Russia in the final and the states win bronze over Sweden like again goaltending can make a big difference and I think about the goaltenders the teams have. So Canada will have... Who will they have? Benjamin Goudreau? Who's pretty solid. Um, let's see. Uh, WJC. WJC 18. Okay. So looking at goaltending. Yeah, like... Kiro Garasimyuk can save you games. He's been doing it all year. So if he gets if he gets a hot streak going, he can stop 50 shots in a game if you need him to. Uh, so Toronto or Canada, they have Ben Gaudreau. I like him from what I remember watching Jacob Perot last year. Um, he's been pretty good. But other than that, I don't really see a goalie on here, and the U.S. goalies aren't great. Um, like, yeah, I don't see a ton of goalies that are elsewhere that are really that threatening finland we'll see i don't know who will play for that team uh i don't i don't know off the top of my head uh who would play for finland like i feel like there should be names um goalies who's finnish uh yeah i don't have anyone on here who's finnish rasmus korhonen is a 2002 yeah like i don't know the goaltending this year might be a bit crummy overall, but I would think that it, looking at Canada's roster, I think Canada, Russia, US, one, two, three makes sense. Sweden though could make a difference if they get a goalie performance here and there because they do have some really, really talented players, but that would be my bet. Canada, Russia, US. What are your thoughts on Tyler Boucher? I like him. One of the more underrated NTDP guys. Uh, skilled, slippery, quick with his hands, you know, pretty quick with his feet as well. I think there's a nice dual threat offense guy, but again, like nothing super intense. I, I just have liked him whenever I've seen him and he doesn't play a whole lot, but I think he flies under the radar. Uh, yes, it's early, but right or Bedard? I mean, I've seen both of them quite a bit. I would I think right now I lean Shane Wright, but Bedard is insanely talented. He's very, very good. I mean I don't know. But probably right now I lean right. Opinion on Alexander Kisikov. Uh 
he's a weird one. I haven't seen him play in a long time, so maybe I track him this week and and you know we talk later because he's quick and he's got some skill, but that's about it. And I don't he he doesn't really play the game very well. Like I don't I, that sounds bad, but he doesn't settle into the game super well. He doesn't you know he's an inconsistent transition player offensively. Um, his passing is really hit or miss at the, at the MHL level. Like he should be a a real dynamo out there, but he really isn't. Um, I don't know. Like he has some games where he looks really good and some games where he just does not, I don't know. He's, it depends. I don't know. Again, like when he's played really, really well, I could easily see him being a guy that maybe I'd put in my second round, but he's so inconsistent and, and really unreliable. And, um, I don't know. But again, I haven't seen him in a long time. What are your thoughts on Logan Stankoven? Very much yes. Uh, very, very, very yes. I, I need to do another game of his, but this is going to make you laugh. Um, probably one of the most dominant games I've ever tracked uh, was him against Prince George. And they didn't they didn't destroy the Cougars in that game. I think it was 5-4 uh, for, for Kamloops. Um, I mean, it's insane how good Stankoven was in that game. I mean... The only thing I could say that was a criticism was that he wasn't really involved defensively a whole lot, but that's because they had to puck the whole game. I mean, like, dangerous shot attempts was a 93% in favor of his team. They, I think they had one shot attempt against that wasn't low danger, but they absolutely obliterated them. He had 125 pass attempts per 60 minutes on the ice. I don't remember how many that was specifically in the game, but completing 82% with that kind of a workload is unfathomably wild and almost 30 dangerous passes per 60 minutes, completing three quarters of them, creating 40 shot attempts per 60 minutes is insane. Like it's, it's impossible to sustain this. Like it's impossible, but I mean, if he did, it would be really neat. And yes, he has a good shot. Yes. Uh, what might some be one of the safest bets around ninth overall, uh, for 2021? Um, I mean, safest bets at ninth overall. I mean, for safety, I think you'll get a safe player in Atu Ratu at the very least. Um, I like Simon Robertson in that range as well. Uh, safe. I mean, if you really want to be ballsy, Fyodor Svechkov. I mean, I think Fabian Liesel is a pretty safe pick to be a good player. I really like Fabian Liesel, and he might be available there. I mean, it just depends on what you mean by safe. And Florian Elias was amazing at the World Junior Championship. What do you think of him? I mean, how has he played not at the World Juniors? Um, every time I've seen Florian Elias, I think he's okay. I don't. I think he was very much a good passenger. I mean that in a good way, like a good passenger for Tim Stutzel and John Jason Paterka. Yeah, like, you've got a D-plus-1 guy in the DEL with eight points. Obviously, like, points are points. And I've been saying, like, oh, points are just a reward for good play, for sure. But, let like, let's take a look at the draft eligibles in the last decade who have um, played in the DEL and what kind of production we're dealing with. I've never been super taken with Florian Elias uh, overall. Um, like, he had some good moments at the World Juniors, for sure. But... I still, I just don't know. Uh, so let's take a look here. Last decade of DEL players, of draft eligible DEL players. Um, come on. Oh no, this would be a he'd be a D plus one. So 
Oh my goodness. Freaking Google Chrome, eh? Google Chrome fails me again. Draft eligible plus one. That's what I want. That's what I'm looking for. So we've got... Oh, I gotta add a games played filter. Let's say 10. Let's, let's call 10 games. So Florian Elias is down with names like... Uh, where is it? Like, you're not you're not looking at a whole lot here. Alexander Blank this year with Krefeld, Norman Hauner, Jonas Muller, a defenseman. Like, it's not... John Jason Paterka. Is that John Jason Paterka? Yeah, like, him and Reichel, they've, they've been better. I believe this is better than they were last year. Yeah, so... Paterka is improving his production. I don't know. I just don't think there's enough with Florian Elias personally. And I I mean, the skating isn't quite there. I don't think the scoring quality for him is projectable enough to really over like overcome the limitations in skating. I don't know. He's he's fine, but I don't I don't think I'd be like I don't have him on my list. Hey Will, thoughts on Liam Kirk. He can shoot the puck. He's a lot of fun. I mean, I'm kind of surprised he didn't get signed, but I don't know. I've, I I have my eye on him. I mean, he's he's a member of Team Scouting. Um, I I I will follow him for a while. Uh, he's great for British hockey. Um, I hope that at some point he can take another crack at the NHL if it's not with Arizona. But yeah, I'm a fan. Are you the kind of guy to write notes while watching a prospect, or do you mentally take notes? Um, I mean, for this All American game that I'm not watching, uh, I was mentally sort of jotting notes in my mind and just taking a look at the rosters and playing around. Um, but nothing like intense. Um, I, I think, uh, I think, I think, uh, what was I saying? Um, what I will do sometimes is like, if I'm looking at an early season tournament, I'll just write down the rosters with the Jersey numbers and just like good and bad, like, and just make ticks and say, all right, this guy did a good thing and just put the jersey number and not think about who it was. Uh, like Ozzy Wiesblatt last year at the Holinka was doing that a lot for me with just good, 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 good. And uh, there was a lot of things that I noted at, at, at that tournament, for example. And that's interesting at the beginning of the year. Um, but I don't, I don't really write notes because I prefer to just watch the game, watch shifts multiple times and just sort of put it in the back of my mind to, to check out certain guys later. Just started scouting prospects, but it's hard to find film and live games of a lot of prospects. Where do you watch most, most of your games? Uh, McKean's. Uh, McKean's has an Instat account that they are gracious enough to let me use. So that's the big one. Um, Quinn Hughes' play hasn't been as great because he doesn't have a defensive defenseman partner like Chris Tanev. Do you see any names the Canucks will go after in round one or two that, that are that role? Uh, I mean, I would be curious to see the the Canucks go after, like, a, I mean, if Daniil Chayka is available... Maybe that could be an interesting one for them. Uh, but again, like you're drafting for need. And I don't know if I'm ever a huge fan of drafting for need. Like if Jet, Jet Wu could be that for them. Uh, Jack Rathbone is mobile enough. Like he's an offensive defenseman, but he's, you know, um, I don't know. But if you wanted that style of player, I mean, the guys that I really like are that, that play more defensively first. If you want big dudes who can play defensively, Daniil Chayka. I, I think maybe a Brent Johnson would be an interesting one. Jake Martin suits that bill as well. 
Um, I mean, Yuri T. Hachek is a wild card. You could probably get him in, like, the seventh round and have fun. Um, but, you know, Archeon Grushnikov also comes to mind. Those are the those are the ones that are that are first coming to mind that could play with a guy like Quinn Hughes or Akali Yervasti is another one that I've really liked. Uh, all those guys are up this sort of same alley or like a Nolan Allen. There's a few of them this year, I think. But again, like the type of player you're looking for, like Chris Tanev was undrafted. Um, I think I think a lot of players turn into good defensive players that are undrafted because evaluating actual defensive value, which is what I talked about at Odd Hack, is still done haphazardly and a little bit incorrectly and so when i look at guys like cheka i could see a defensive player that's valuable or a brent johnson or a jake martin or or yuri Yuri tiachek you know he's small but i think he defends very well and is mobile enough to overcome his his size limitations um so there's a few of them but you mentioned round one and two specifically so i guess i should note that um that I um, Simon Edvinson, <laughs> Simon Edvinson with Quinn Hughes would be would be kind of fun. Uh, any thoughts on Nikita Kiryanov and Zakhar Bartikov? I don't really like either of those players, honestly. Um, Bartikov, I know people he scores in the KHL, and you know he was the undrafted guy at the World Juniors. But I, I mean, I've seen him play a lot this year in Russia. He's been okay. Uh, do you have any thoughts on the New Jersey Devils prospects and Gritsiak in specific? Uh, I really like Arseny Gritsiak. I, I think he's taken steps every year. Um, he's a project, always was. Um, but yeah, I don't know. And uh, the Devils in, in general, they're doing okay. I feel like they've underperformed their draft slots recently. Um, but they're doing okay. Um that's really all I can say in terms of on the whole. Like, there's some good ones out there, but yeah, I don't know. Um, would you take Stankoven in the first? Uh, yeah, he's well into my first. He's at 15. I like that guy a lot. How do you fix the Sharks? They need fixing? I guess so. I, I feel a lot of their prospects will be fun complimentary players, but they lack a star. How can they change? Um, well, I mean, I don't think they're done being not great. Uh, Next year's draft is, I think, going to be much better than this year. I don't think that's controversial. I don't think this year is going to be terrible. Um, But if I'm San Jose, it depends on where they draft. Um, You know, if, like, I look at them and, you know, like, I I trust Doug Wilson Jr. Because I, I think that the way he looks at the draft and the way the names that he values, I think, is important and, and useful. So... I, you know, in terms of fixing the Sharks, there's only so much I think reasonably that you can do, especially in a flat cap pandemic strapped situation that everybody's in. Um, I mean, if you, if somehow at the end of the season that Evander Kane deal gets evaporated into the ether, then maybe that's, that's something that frees up a bit of breathing room for them and they can sort of let the older guys sort of play their way out of the league or whatever. Um, I don't know, but for me, I look at them and say, um, I don't know where you're going to get a star, but I do think that the guys that you like the, the fun complimentary players that you mentioned, some of them might turn out to be very, very good players. Um, like I really like Daniel Gustin. I really like Ozzy Weisblatt. 
Uh, Thomas Bordalo has taken big steps this year. But yeah, they don't really have a top, top end player uh, in their pipeline. So, you know, depending on where they pick this year, like it could be an Atu Ratu. It could be uh, if they wanted a center. It could be, they'll get a good player in the top 10. But I don't know what you, I don't know what you're looking for when it comes to like, how can they change or fix the fact that they don't have a star young player. Next year, if they're still not great, then they'll probably land a really, really good player then too. Um, But I don't know. You can only do so. You can only do what you can with the players that are in front of you. But I think Doug Wilson Jr. is on the right track with building the future of that team. Uh, good evening. Do you think Ratu will end up similar to Angelo Esposito? I hope not. I've got Ratu ranked eighth, I think. Um, so I hope not. Uh, but I do think that there are problems with Ratu, uh, but more on him soon. Can you talk more about Svozil? Sorry if uh, I already did. I did briefly, but uh, not really. Um, Svozil is weird. I don't really know what to think. Uh, he's a good defensive player on retrievals and turning pucks around. He's quick and mobile and skilled and, you know, a good puck manager-ish. But he can just play too quick for his own pants, I think. Um, giving up pucks a lot sending pucks into no man's land a little too much he's got some problems but he's not awful i i think he's a really interesting blank slate to work with i watched a game of his in the second division and he was great um you know uh and so with with Svozil, i dig him but i don't know he's a he's a one where you want to see more and i just think that the extra league is a little bit too much for him but when you remove him from there he's very very talented so I think you're betting on his mobility, you're betting on his agility, you're betting on his skill, you're betting on his defensive leaning sort of traits, um, and maybe there's offense there that he can rediscover at higher levels. Uh, I'll save the burnout question for last because I've got to wrap this up. Uh, I just got Wallander, what can I expect in my fantasy league? Uh, I don't know about a ton of points, but if you, I don't know, um, if you're if your league tracks transition uh, data which they probably don't then probably a lot uh but if not i don't know i don't expect a ton of points i've got i've got them in another fantasy league that i have that i'm a part of um but i don't have i, I don't know i'm setting my bar for offensive production for him pretty low and let him excel or let him beat those expectations fun dumb question to end the end the night well, well we'll we'll see if it actually ends the night which is a hotter take for this year's draft pastor in the top 10 or lambos outside the first round i would say lambos outside the first round I mean, I get it with Pastajov, but I don't, I wouldn't do it. I think it's nuts, but I think Lambos, I think you're just not doing Lambos enough favors by putting him outside the first round. Pastajov in the top 10, like, he's creative and crafty. Sure, I'll give him that. One of the creative, one of the smarter guys with the puck that's available. But that's really where the, to me, that's where the positives kind of start and end. I don't, I'm not a huge Sasha Pastajov fan, uh, even though he continues to score points um i'm just not i don't know maybe just yeah i don't know where do you have dear Juracek in the draft i don't remember but easy easy top 10 might even be a top five i love david Juracek. as a Kames fan and a bit i'm a bit worried about tavo teravainen's concussion uh is there a player similar to teravainen in the first is it is a is there a player similar to turbo in the first oh oh okay you're throwing around slang uh Canes fan slang. I am not a Canes fan, so I'm I'm unaware. Um 
Well, I mean, the Canes have plenty in their pipeline already. Do not fret if you lose a Tavo Teravainen at his top end of his game. I mean, Logan Stankoven in a Carolina Hurricanes jersey would be really neat. Um, so would Ayrton Martino. Um, Tavo Teravainen, though. Like, he's a, as far as I remember, he's a center. Maybe a Ryder Korzak would be kind of fun. Like, Ryder Korzak with Seth Jarvis on the same team is kind of scary to me. That that's what crosses my mind, but maybe more of a yeah, I don't know, maybe a stank oven. Uh, all right, how normal is burnout or fatigue for you? That's that's what we'll end the night on. Um, it's l- less common now, I think. Um, when I first started with the YouTube thing and the data thing at the same time. I think I was way too focused on being really good at both. And actually, it's funny you mentioned that today and that I responded with that because today I went and just made a bunch of old videos private that I just don't really think are very useful to the channel. Um, So if you try to look for them, they're not there. Um, And a lot of that, I think, you know, like I originally, when I started the YouTube channel, I wanted to put together a monthly NHL update video. I did two of them and I hated it. Nobody watched them and it was ripe for fans just ripping me and it was a lot of work. Because if you haven't noticed, I can be long-winded. Um, so, oh, sh- snap. Sorry, Jordan. I thought I uploaded the podcast last week. My mistake. Yeah, no, that was a one-off. Uh, it'll be up online moving forward. Don't worry. Uh, this one will go up tomorrow. Uh, I th- I had that thought cross my mind literally as I went live tonight. I went, I don't think I put up the last week's podcast and whatever. Uh, so my apologies. Uh, it'll be up tomorrow. Um, oh, Tervo, Tervo 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 is a winger. All right, well then, sure. Logan Stankoven. Let's just call it that and move on. Um, but yeah, with the burnout and fatigue thing, I mean, look, I have a nine to five job. This is something that I do outside work hours. It is tiring. It is something that doesn't feel like work though. I am up late every night and I, you know, I am up, I get enough sleep to function, but I don't, I don't know. Like I, I'm up late every night and a lot of it is watching tape. I can't track late at night, but I usually save it for like, when I say, oh, I got to catch up on this player. That's usually when I'm doing it. It's midnight. I'm sitting on my couch and just running through shift by shifts saying, all right, well, maybe I'm missing something here. Maybe I'm missing something here. Maybe this is a game that I track, whatever. That's what I'm doing. Um, but that doesn't really burn me out. I, I've never been a person who needs a ton of sleep to function ever since I was a kid. Um, but burnout is a thing. And the big thing that is a big problem for me, and I've been over this in previous streams, is imposter syndrome. Like, part of me is... You know, the part of the reason I'm doing the podcast now, like the Chasing High Danger show, is so that I can put myself out there and talk to people in hockey who are more experienced traditionally than I am and and basically play the role of, of the of the audience and just ask them questions that, that, that people might want asked. Um so and for my like the next guest I'm I'm trying to get on the show, I'm really excited because they've been everywhere. They've done a whole lot of different jobs, worn a whole bunch of different hats. And I just want to pick their brain. And, but what, but what my issue is for me is I never grew up playing elite level hockey. 
All I know is what I've read, what I've seen, watching hundreds of games, and my personal preference in terms of what style of play I like to see. You know, and I definitely feel that there are some times where I say things that I regret about players. At the end of the day, we're talking about kids. You know, I want to be respectful and I want to be encouraging and and positive, um, and and just do the best that I can and and help other people do the best that they can. Obviously, that can't happen a hundred percent of the time. Sometimes you're not perfect, um, but for me, imposter syndrome is a big thing. Where, you know, like I will. I will see a list, for example, from someone who is out there and has, you know, a very pre- predominant role, and I'll sit there and think about what my thoughts are and look at the video that I have, go look at the clips, go look at the data that I've tracked and go, what if this is just not, there's no point, and this person is way more dialed in than me, and I, what am I missing, you know, and... All I can do in that situation, and I've kind of learned how to do this better, is just say, look, what could I possibly be missing? What could I possibly be wrong on? And if I still have trouble, then at that point, if I'm wrong, it has to become a learning experience. Like, you have to accept that you're going to be wrong. You you have to accept that there's inherent uncertainty in this work. It just, it's going to happen. You, you're not going to be perfect. It's why I don't like numbering my list. It's why I do tiers. It's why the tiers are on the left side and the numbers are off on the side. Because it so many factors go into the, the fluctuations in this list over the next five years. And I'm just trying to get as much concrete, hard information as I can to provide the best picture of a player that I can. I feel like a lot of people you know, I'm not going to name names, but there are people who I don't think do that. I don't know, but I don't know. Like I'm, I'm trying to build a concrete informational based. This is what is happening with this player on the ice. And if there are reasons why things are the way they are or why they are not the way that they should be, then there's added context that needs to be added. But for me, I mean, in terms of burnout and fatigue, Burnout sets in for sure when I, like last year I went through a burnout phase for sure. I, when, when they announced that the draft might have been moved up and I kind of panicked, I started focusing primarily on videos. I needed to put out reports, video, 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 video. And it just got, like I tried to do like three a week and it was too much, you know, and I was falling behind on the data tracking. This year, I, I, I mean... The, the YouTube video is a means of communication for me and making videos, especially outside of tracking in a nine to five, it takes a lot of time. I don't want to be on YouTube forever. That's not my goal. As much as I love talking to my audience and, and I love all this, the data tracking and the analysis and the talking about these players and, and, you know, at some point, hopefully meeting more of them and, and picking their brain about their game and all that stuff. That's what I want to do more of. And trying to do too much will make you burn out. And I talked about this a little while ago. Like my goal always is at the end of the day, have something where you feel confident or happy about your achievement in that thing. For me, a lot of the time, it's my work with scouting. I I go to bed trying to be like, that was a good day. I got some things done that I needed to get done. If I wanted to track five games and I only tracked four, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be upset, you know? 
and and if there are guys that i wanted to track but didn't have time to it's like well i'll just do it tomorrow it's okay it's not the end of the world you know maybe i'll just stay up for an extra half hour check off some names on my list that i just need to check up on and maybe that'll help and sometimes that's what works you know to me i i wanted to finish the aturatu report today i didn't have the time uh there was another you know but and if i if i immediately open my video editing program at 11:30 tonight and start editing and i do that for anything that i need to get done just because i feel like i needed to get need to get it done then that's where burnout comes in i think we live in a society where we just are extremely go 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 mode all the time and i don't know maybe there are some people that can do that and mentally be perfectly fine uh, but I'm not that person. And I don't, I, I think that if you're not that person, that's okay. You know, that, that's, that's okay. And for me, I have a goal. I want to get past 20 videos this year, 20 reports. That's the goal. But that might not sound like a ton, but I mean, like in my data tracking, I've already done how many of these games? Um, oh, right. Like hundreds of games, 160 defensemen, alone, 160 games for defensemen alone um who else yeah i'm up to almost 400 games and that's after starting with videos which slows me down because i don't have time to track you know so it does affect me it it does it's a thing that affects me because it, this is something that i really really want to do a lot of the time but you need to l put limits on yourself and like forgive yourself for stuff otherwise you're gonna go nuts and with me making too many youtube videos off the start burned me out lesson learned last year panicking trying to put out too many reports burned me out um but this year i i feel a lot better like settled into a workflow that makes more sense and at the end of the day the data is kind of what i need to focus on more and that's kind of what i've done um i also realized that i neglected the twitch chat so just before i sign off i'm gonna fire the, off these last three few questions from charlie dunk now who i apologize for ignoring um do streaky players have less value than consistent players even if they put up similar numbers total it depends on how um sometimes guys who like i don't really mind streaky players because that means they're trying to do a lot like they're trying to do a lot and and maybe sometimes it's just not working like hockey is just about probabilities right but that doesn't mean it's going to go your way all the time or it doesn't mean it's not going to go your way all the time but sometimes guys are going to ebb and flow right but i would rather have guys that can hit this level of play and fluctuate a little bit up here rather than guys who are consistently down here because there's you know they just don't have the capability of getting up there in the first place um so but i mean similar net numbers like obviously being a consistently good producer certainly a thing but it really depends on how they're producing consistently power play minutes that can be a big factor are they playing first line minutes that can also be a big factor so there's a lot of things that can go into it for sure. Um, and points are just one way of anal analyzing a player. To me, like looking at defense, that can also be something that fluctuates. Um, but there are things that I look at that, you know, factor in. And, and, and there are some metrics with players that are inconsistent that do, that do stay relatively stagnant. And I think that those are things that you can also latch on to. Like Simon Edvinson, for example, uh, and, and his defensive transition game. Uh, if you're a GM, would you change your draft draft your team's draft strategy based on your team's status, as in contender tanking or borderline? It depends on who we're looking at in the draft. I mean, I'm not a fan of drafting for need, um, especially if it's like immediate need. 
you know, but I also, I just think you draft the best. I think you just draft the best player, you know, and I, I, that obviously like the best player available does not mean the same thing from team to team to team because what they look for in a player is very different. Um, based on the team. Yeah. I mean, like, would I draft really differently? Probably not. If I had like six goalies, you know, like if I'm Buffalo, I'm probably not drafting Jesper Valstead. Probably not. Right. Like you've got Uko Pekka Lukanen, you've got Eric Portillo. Both of those guys are pretty solid goalies. Maybe you get Wallstead too, but I don't really see the value in that. Other than that, I don't know. I think it's all bets are off and you just kind of take good players and let the, let it work itself out. Uh, anyway, I got to run. Uh, this was lovely as always. That is literally two hours on the dot. Uh, so, so thank you very much for joining me. Uh, I hope, uh, my answers were not too long winded or ridiculous because that can happen sometimes sending positive vibes to Marco Rossi. Uh, I apologize for missing last week's, uh, podcast edition, but it will be back tomorrow. Um, so definitely that won't happen moving forward. Um, thank you very much for joining me. Uh, as always, uh, thank you very, very, very much. I am off to probably go watch some tape, uh, and hang out for a bit. Although, uh, AJ Alfonso, uh, did tell me to play age of empires too. So I might do that for a bit as well. Uh, hope you have a great rest of the week yourself. Um, and I will see you next week, same time, same place and stay tuned because by the time we get to next Wednesday, there should be two new reports out public. So 